Amen. Thank you guys for worshiping. You may be seated. Welcome to Harvest. My name is Trey. I have the privilege of being the lead pastor here, and I just want to say welcome. To all the first-time guests, I want to say thank you for joining us this Sunday morning. Um, and to those who call Harvest home, uh, it's good to see you all again. We have been, uh, this is our second week in a collection of talks called Hero Maker. And last week, if you were here, we talked about what does it look like to think like a hero maker. And this week, um, we're going to talk about something a little bit different that I think will be really helpful. But I want to start out by defining again, what is a hero maker? What is a hero maker? Well, a hero maker goes from being uh, the hero to making others the hero and the unfolding story of God's kingdom. A hero is a person who shifts from being the hero to making other, others the hero in the unfolding story of God's kingdom. This is kind of countercultural to our world right now where everything is about us. It is consumer sensitive or consumer driven. Everything is about you. What do you have to offer me? What do I gain out of this? Where, where do I benefit from all of this? Well, and that whenever the kingdom of God is flipped, it's, it's, it's Jesus coming to earth saying, how, not how does this benefit me, but how does this benefit you? And Jesus was the ultimate hero maker. He is the ultimate hero, but he is also the ultimate hero maker. And last week in Mark chapter 1, we looked at how Jesus called his first hero makers, his, his disciples. But this week, I want us to look at something a little bit different. So we looked at the beginning of what Jesus called his hero makers last week, but this week I want us to jump to Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24. So if you have your Bibles, flip there. If you have your phone, swipe there. If not, it'll be on the Sky Bibles for your convenience. But Luke chapter 24, a little bit of context of what's going on. Uh, in Luke chapter 24, Jesus is with his 11 disciples and, uh, and, and some other people as well who um, follow him. Uh, but the famous 11 are there with him. And this is their last moments on earth together. Jesus has, he has lived a sinless life. He died a sinner's death on the cross. He, he vanquished uh, the, the reign of death, hell, and the grave to all those who would believe in him. He has risen from the grave. He is in his glorified body. He has spent a couple days with his disciples since then, um, teaching them and, and talking with them. And then we are at the final moments of Jesus' life here on earth with his disciples. In Luke chapter 24, verses 50 through 53, it says this, and he led them, Jesus led them as far out as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. And while he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple blessing God. And Jesus is the ultimate hero and hero maker's final moments on earth. What did he do? He blessed people. He blessed his disciples. When I say the word blessing or he blessed them, you know, in our, in our world or maybe in your life and, and in your context or how you've been raised or um, your situation, we, we all come to I think if I were to do a survey, everybody in the room would come to a different definition of blessing, right? 
Like, is it just something we say after somebody sneezes? Which there's a limit, by the way. If you sneeze three times in a row, I'm not saying bless you three times in a row. Like, you get two, and then after that, it's, you're on your own, right? I had a, I had a teacher in high school um, whom, whom I dearly love, uh, but I'm sure you all, like, you just love to get under their nerves, right? Like, that was that teacher for me, and I, I was a terrible student, and I have since apologized and hugged her. Um, but I, uh, I, I loved this teacher, but she would tell us uh, whenever somebody sneezes in her classroom, we're not allowed to say, God bless you. We weren't allowed to say it. Because she had heard from, heard from somebody that the, the, the context of that or the start of that practice was people believed in like the olden days that when you sneezed, it was your spirit leaving your body and you would say, God bless you, so that way the spirit would return and you wouldn't die. Like that's what she heard and that's what she believed. And so what do we do as 10th graders, like punk 10th graders in high school, we fake sneeze all the time in our classroom, and we say, God bless you, as many times as we can, right? It's like the Chick-fil-A game of see how many times you can get them to say, my pleasure. We tried to see how many times we could say, God bless you in class, right? I'd be like, achoo, God bless you, achoo, God bless you. Get out of my class and go to the principal's office. All right, Trey, what are you here for? I sneezed and said, God bless you. In whose class? So-and-so's class. <sighs> I got to write you up. Like, what? Okay. So, like, maybe that's your view of, of, of blessing. Like, you just say it after a sneeze. Maybe if you're a fan of Christmas Vacation, the best Christmas movie of all time, only watch the TV version. Got to give a shameless plug. Uh, I, I, maybe you are a fan of that movie, and the grandma in that movie is like, the blessing, right? Like, that's, that's how you know what the blessing is, right? Or maybe you're just a good old southern person, and you're like, how you doing? Good and blessed, son. Thank you for asking. Like, we don't know actually what it means. We just say it. And I think if we were to go around the room and get a survey, we would all have a different definition of what it means to be blessed, what it means to give a blessing. But here's what I do want to say. If Jesus is the ultimate hero maker... And he is our ultimate hero. And not only do we follow him, we try to model our lives after him. When it comes to making other people heroes in, the story, in their stories and in our lives, here's what it looks like. Hero makers bless others. And if we are to bless others, we need to know what blessing looks like. We need to be able to define it and pinpoint it. So that way, when we, if, if we are to live the life that Jesus has called each and every single one of us to, the newness of life, the new purpose of life, what does this actually look like? Well, it, we're called to bless others. Well, I don't know how to do that. Great. That's what we're going to discuss this morning. So Jesus, in his final moments, is looking at his disciples, and he raises his hand, and he blesses them. And what Jesus does at this moment is he joins a lineage of people who have blessed their predecessors, who have blessed uh, the people following them, have blessed their, their children before them. You think about God blessed Adam and Eve in Genesis 1.28. He blessed them. And he blessed Noah and his family after the flood in Genesis 9. And then he blessed Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. And then he he he. He, there was a, a moment in which, in, in, the, uh, in, in Scripture, where it shifted from God blessing people to the fathers of families began to put blessings on people. And when the blessing was given, it was set in stone. 
And then we move on to, in Deuteronomy, there is uh, Moses blessing the nation of Israel, blessing Aaron, blessing Joshua, of giving blessing. Of There is this historical and biblical practice since Genesis that God put in place of blessing things. And so when Jesus blesses his disciples, he joins this history of people blessing other people. And if we are to bless others, we need to know what exactly we are doing. So Jesus raises his hands. He blesses the disciples. And what do the disciples do? Well, in Luke 24, verses 52, it says, And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. With great joy that always, like, I'm always left dumbfounded when people, you know, when Jesus leaves them and they're left with great joy. Because I'm like, don't, don't, don't leave, right? Like, I, I, what I would do if Jesus would, like, to have Jesus still walking this earth, right? Like, that would be amazing, but Jesus blesses them, and he doesn't leave to, like, go to another town, and they're going to see him the next day. They're going to catch up, like, over brunch or something. No, like, he's gone. He has ascended up into heaven. He put his hand up and supermaned it. No, that's not how he did it. Like, he ascended up into heaven, and he is on earth no more, and they were left with great joy. I want to know what he said, right? Like, what kind of blessing must have Jesus given these disciples to where when he leaves, they are left with just ecstatic, overwhelming joy? How powerful was Jesus' blessings? How powerful was this moment? Well, when we go back to Genesis and we look at blessing, here's what blessing does, whether God gives it or father figures give it, or even at this time and at this day and age when Jesus ascends up into heaven, priests would give it to their, to their uh, apprentices whenever it was time for them to step up and to step into a teaching role in the temple. The rabbi would give a blessing to his students. Jesus gives a blessing. And, and every time a blessing is given in scripture, here's what happens. They are blessing and giving value. Every time something is given and blessing, they are given something valuable. They are given an inheritance. They are given favor. They are given something, and so they are being bestowed value onto their lives, onto their families. There is value given. And so if humanity, uh, we see in Scripture, anytime God blesses humanity, he gives value. So if you're in here and you are in this room and you are a Jesus follower, I want to let you know God has blessed you. You are blessed. If you follow Jesus and you are in this room, you are blessed. God blesses all those who follow him. Well, I don't feel like I live a very blessed life. Well, this is what God's blessing, according to Scripture, looks like on your life. God's blessing is, number one, God's provision. God's blessing is God's provision. In Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, God calls Abraham to leave his home, to step out of the comfortable and go to the unknown. Because he had great plans for him. And this was the promise that God gave Abraham when he gave him his blessing. Now the Lord said to Abraham, go 
from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in all of you and in all the families or and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. There is provision of I will take care of you. Now, you may be in here and be like, well, I, don't, I, I, have, I have wants and I have desires and I don't see God meeting. God never promised he would meet your wants and desires. He said he would meet your needs. And the fact that each and every single one of you are here this morning, breathing, having life and an opportunity to know Jesus or follow Jesus, you are blessed. You're blessed with God's provision. Number two, you are blessed with God's protection, with God's protection. Psalms 511, it says this, but let all who take refuge in you rejoice. Let them sing ever, or let them ever sing for joy and spread your protection over them that those who love your name may exalt in you. Those who find refuge in God, safety in God, protection in God, and fill their hearts with praise in his word, they will find protection for their souls. I've talked about this countless times, but life will not always work out like we want it to physically. It just won't, right? Again, we talked about a couple weeks ago, what is a storm? A storm disrupts the ideal. And we will all go through storms in life. But the protection that God provides is that no matter what we're going through, our souls can be protected from bitterness, from resentment, from, from anger, from fear. We can protect ourselves and walk in and of a sound mind. Walk as if God, and believing that God is with us and for us, which leads me to my next one, his presence. So we have his provision, we have his protection for our souls, that no matter what happens in this life, we know the end and we win because we enter into glory when this life is over. And then also, we have his presence, Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. And Jesus, came, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. How good is it to know that God, in the midst of giving us new purpose to be hero makers, has promised you will not do this by yourself. I am with you to the ends of the earth. That God is with us. He is with you. And because his presence is with us, and not just around us, but his spirit indwells within us, and the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead lives in you. And because that is true, we have his provision, we have his protection, we have his presence, and then fourth, God's blessing is God's peace. God's blessing is God's peace. John 14, verse 27, it says this, Peace I leave you. This is Jesus talking. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. So let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. The other week I was, I couldn't find um, my phone. 
and I, and I was like searching. I was in like a, a frantic mode. Maybe you've been there. And I couldn't find my phone as I was leaving the house, right? And um, I'm, I'm like, I don't know what I was doing, but I was just, I was panicking. And I was just in like flustered mode. So I called my wife. If you don't get just the irony in that statement alone, I called my wife, and as I'm calling her, I hang up. I'm like, I had it in my hand the entire time. And I, I was just so flustered. And I had, it had never left my hand, but I had just, like, forgotten it or grown numb to it. And I, so I was looking for something I already had. And I think a lot of times in life, we look for things to give us peace whenever the God of peace who lives within us as Jesus followers has already given it to us. And so you have peace, therefore you are blessed. You are blessed as a Jesus follower with God's provision, with God's protection, with God's presence, and with God's peace. And if God never did another thing other than save your soul and give you these blessings, he has done more than enough than we deserve. We are blessed. Because this is not some homeboy that we know that is just our friend and gives us these things. This is the God of the universe, the creator of all things, who says, I am with you. I am protecting you. I am providing for you. And the same peace that when God is not, uh, God is not overwhelmed, he is not caught off guard by the circumstances of this world. He knows it and is ready for it because he is over it. That same peace. Peace where nothing can shake him is given to you. We are blessed people. And God blesses those who follow him through his provision, protection, presence, and peace. So this is God's blessing on those who are found in him. As hero makers, this is what the ultimate hero maker gives us. So what do we do? Well, what did we see them do in Luke chapter 24? It says this, that, that, that they worshiped him. They blessed him. Which leads me to my second thought is this. Blessing God blesses you. Blessing God blesses you. Remember, what does a blessing do? It adds value. Anytime God blesses humanity, value went up. Anytime fathers blessed, blessed children, their inheritance went up. Their value in society went up. When we bless God, God does not increase in value. He is already like it. He is already complete. He is already whole. Whenever we bless God, we're not like, okay, it's time for me to give God what he's due because he's, he's living in poverty. <laughs> like that, That's not why we bless God. Blessing God blesses you. Because it, it doesn't give him value. It reminds our souls and our hearts and our emotions and our how valuable he is. Whenever we worship and whenever we praise God, it doesn't add value to him. It reminds our soul how valuable he is. And it, and it blesses us. And, and reminds us how worthy he is. It says they were constantly in the temple worshiping and blessing God. Now the significance of that phrasing of they were in the temple, the temple, they, they, they took this blessing and they worshiped God. For Jews, the temple ground was the gathering place. 
Like everybody and their mother was always hanging out around the temple, around the temple courtyard for the Jewish people. So they took this place where everybody was. And the temple was also the place where they would go and give sacrifices. And they would go and they would give sacrifice to earn forgiveness, hoping that the presence of God, which they believed was in the temple, would see their sacrifice and bless it. But now the disciples are in the temple courtyard worshiping because the ultimate sacrifice has already been paid and they are forgiven and they're not praying for God's presence to bless them. They have his presence living within them as living temples of God's spirit. So it was this radical shift of people are looking at them going, like, what are you doing? They're like, we're worshiping God. The ultimate lamb has already been sacrificed, and he is gone, and he has left us with this message of good peace, that the presence of God is not in that temple, but is now amidst us, around us, living within us. And if you want to experience his presence, all you have to do is believe he is who he says he is and commit your life to following him. Then you become the temple, and you get to praise and worship God, and it blesses you. So it was this radical shift in faith. It was this radical shift in the, in, in the preaching of, of what it means to be God's people and to receive God's blessing. Sometimes I think whenever we, we, we you know, when we talk about prayer and we talk about worship or, you know, it's, it's Sunday morning, we're getting the kids up and we don't, we feel, you know, like, you know, we feel sluggish, we feel tired, we don't know if we have it in us to, Maybe it's a Friday night and you know, like you just feel empty inside. And you don't know what to do. And you're like, maybe I should pray, but I'm too tired to pray. Or maybe it's Sunday morning and you're looking at the kids and while you're getting one kid ready, the other kid turns on the shower and is standing in the shower in his pajamas, which literally happened in our household this morning. And he also went ahead and touched a curling iron and, um, yeah, pray for us. <laughs> and you're like, I just don't know if we want to do this today. Like, we'll, we'll go next week. We'll do whatever. And maybe we'll just, like, well, I don't know. You, I'm tired this week. I don't, I don't have the energy to do this. And we think that prayer, pouring ourselves out to God or worshiping, pouring our praise up to heaven empties us even more than we already are. I'm here to tell you, just because you empty yourself out in prayer, just because you empty yourself out with words and thoughts and emotion and prayer, or you are giving it your all to God and acknowledging him, begging for him to show up in a way, and you are pouring yourself out, it is a lie from the pit of hell to say that you will leave empty. Because blessing God blesses you, and while you empty yourself out, God refills and rejuvenates and refreshes your spirit. Prayer does not leave you depleted, it leaves you, it leaves you filled. Worship does not leave you tired, it leaves you full. It is backwards in the kingdom of God whenever we pour ourselves out, God fills us. It is reverse in the kingdom of God when we pour ourselves out in prayer and in tears and in words and in thoughts. When we pour out our problems, he reminds us of his promises and fills us and reminds us of his presence. Blessing God is not a chore, it blesses you. 
And we have been remiss to think that church is a chore whenever it is, in fact, one of the very things that helps fill our souls to gather on Sunday and be filled and and have community to go out and scatter on Monday ready and charged to be hero makers in a world that needs it. Blessing God blesses you. And what is our response? God blesses us. We receive his blessings. We bless God again, and he blesses us even more, which is, seems crazy, but that's the good news of the gospel. So what is our response then? As hero makers, what do we do? Our response to God's blessing as hero makers is to bless others. Our response to God's blessing as hero makers is to bless others. I'll say it like this. God blesses you, you bless God, and then you bless others. This is how the pattern should go. God blesses you, you bless God, you bless others. And God's blessing is not circumstantial, nor is it limited. It's eternal. So there is an eternal blessing upon your life from following Jesus. You bless God, and he fills you in the moment. You receive a blessing in the moment. Now you turn around and you bless others. God blesses you, you bless God, and then you bless others. There's a story in the book of Acts I want to read very quickly. In Acts chapter 2, the church is, it's just started. Like the modern day church, it is this movement that is taking the world by storm. And in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47, it says this, and they devoted themselves, this is the church, the church devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as as any need uh, had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who are being saved. There is this movement that started in the New Testament church, in the book of Acts, where things begin to shift. These people began to be hero makers. And it wasn't just the apostles or the original disciples. It was the church that God began to bless the world through what? Jesus isn't here anymore. Through the church. And yes, our message is Jesus, but we are the hands and feet of Jesus on this earth. Now, you may say, Trey, how do we bless others? I'm not God. I can't give provision, protection, presence, or peace. No, you cannot, and you're not supposed to. So do not feel that pressure. You are not supposed to be Jesus to them. What you are supposed to be, what you have been called to be is the hands and feet of Jesus and their lives. And it looks different. Let me give you some practicality of what this looks like. How do we bless others? Well, number one, really quickly, is living generously. We live generous lives. I want you guys to to understand something. And I really want you guys to hone in on this. Generosity is not a suggestion. It's what the church has been instructed and commanded to do to reach others. 
generosity in, in your time and how you invest into others. Be generous in your time into people. Be generous in how you invest in people with your time. Be generous in how you invest your time into the church. Be generous in your time. Another way of saying it, be generous in your talent. God has gifted you each uniquely. And many of you are very talented individuals. Use your talent to give God glory. Use your talent to advance the kingdom of God. To help steward his church in which you call home. So your time, your talent, but here's the thing, and also your treasure. If you call Harvest Church your home, let me encourage you to invest your time, your talent, and let me also encourage you to invest it with your treasure, where your money is. I think it would be a very painful process that even on my life, if we had a third-party member come in and survey all of our lives and say, what are you doing every day? Like, what is your daily routine? How do you spend your time? And not what you want him to know, of like, hey, I, I plan to go to the gym today. Did you go to the gym? No. <laughs> but I, like, it's, on the, it's on the calendar. How did you actually spend your time? How did you actually use your talents? And if we were to do, do a year of the end uh, report on your finances, what do you value most with your finances? Would you be proud of the fact of how you have stewarded your time? your talent, or your, and your treasure according to advancing God's kingdom and stewarding the church that, that you call home well? Or would it be a moment of sobriety in your life of like, based on this third party's reports, I, I just show up. God has called us to live generous lives. And my encouragement to you guys is if you want to bless others and live in the fullness of which God has called you to do, you need to start living generously. Number two, speaking highly and truthfully. So we live generously. Number two, we speak highly and truthfully. We speak well of others and build people up. If we are to be hero makers, we need to raise people up in truth. So we don't call people out to tear them down, right? We don't look at people and say, you know, I need to burn that bridge. We look at people like, how can we build a better bridge? We need to look at people and say, how can I affirm God's word in your life? We need to look at individuals. Maybe it starts with your kids, of you need to look at your kids and speak highly in God's word over your kids' lives. Maybe that's just a practical thing of every night before bed, you read a passage of scripture and then you pray that scripture over your kid's life. We need to speak highly of people and call them up and send them out. We need to speak highly and truthfully of individuals. Number three, we invest in community. We invest in community. This is our church community. The, 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 and this church community has been called to reach the Harmony St. Cloud community. 
So we invest in these relationships to strengthen and build up so that way we can go out and extend our reach to reach people who aren't here yet and invest in them to bring them into our community as Jesus followers, therefore advancing the kingdom of God. We invest in community. And the only way we can invest and take care of theirs, we got to take care of here, which starts with generous which starts with living generously and, and, and being a place that people want to and people want to attend and be a part of. Number four, our final thought is we serve humbly. We serve people well. We serve our church well. And serving is not for those who have extra time, it's a function of the body of Jesus. Serving is not for those of like, yeah, I got an extra hour. It's for those who are like, this is what the church is doing, and I want to be a part of it. Our church is currently ministering to 30-plus kids a week right now. That is what the church is doing. And if you say, well, I got extra time. If you want to be a part of this movement to reach people from a very young age to, to, to when they're in to adulthood, I would encourage you, go serve in kids. Help them know and follow Jesus. That is what we are doing as a church. If you want to help us serve in other areas and in other uh, 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 lanes in our church, like that is how you bless others. I am blessed every single week by the people who stand up here and serve in worship. I am blessed every single week by the people who show up and are setting up the walls of the church and the chairs in which you are sitting in. I am blessed by the people who I can drop off my son to and I know he's going to be loved well and he's going to be taught the Bible well and be pointed to Jesus from a very early age. That blesses my spirit. And if you want to be a part of that blessing, not just to the community, but this community, I encourage you to serve humbly in our church. So we live generously, we speak highly, we invest in community, and we serve humbly. That is what our church does. So we are called to do as hero makers. I want to end with a story. Um, One of my best friends in life. His name is Joel Milligan. And um, he, uh, he, he said he knew me when I was like five or six. And, you know, everybody and their mother says that about you when you grow up at a church. You're like, I used to change your diapers. Like, I don't know who you are. Get away from me. Um, I, uh, he, I, I went to um, the college attached to the church. And um, I was just in serious need of mentorship and help. And here's this guy who put his arm around me. He said, I'm going to walk this life with you. And he invested in me. He, in fact, gave me the first opportunity I ever had to preach. And it was horrible. <laughs> but he was like, hey, man, I was really good. I was like, liar. <laughs> He's like, no, man, that was really good. I want you to preach next week and let me help you a little bit more. And he gave me opportunity. He invested in me. He was generous in his time. He had his crazy busy schedule, but he invested into a freshman in college. He invested his treasure. He took me out to eat. He took me to Zaxby's, which was, you know, fancy living for ministry people, right? Like, he, he invested his time and his talent and his treasure into me. He spoke highly of me. He built me up. We did life together. He was one of the first people to meet our newborn son, Cade. Like, he, he, he is a family 
friend whom I love very dearly. And when me and my wife left that church a little over a year ago to move down here to plant this church, it was him and his wife who laid hands on us and prayed a prayer of blessing over our lives and said, if you ever need anything, you call us because we're here to help. He served us well. He is one of the biggest reasons that I am who I am today because he invested and he was a hero maker in my life. And church, I turn around and I ask you, who are you blessing? Who are you investing in? As hero makers, we are called to bless others. Who are you blessing this morning? I want to end this morning with a song and a prayer. And in in church tradition, dating back centuries, it's called a benediction. If you've grown up in church, maybe you know what it means. If you're new to church, it's a big word with a small meaning, and it means this. Where we pray scripture over you, or we sing scripture over you. And this morning, we're going to do both. And I want to say a prayer, of div- a divine prayer through God's word over your lives, over your families. A prayer of blessing. And then we're going to sing a song of blessing that I will encourage you all to stand and sing over your lives, over your families, maybe someone you know's lives, maybe someone other, somebody else's family. But this is going to be a time where I want you to just, to just receive a blessing from our church. And then sing a blessing and remind your soul of God's blessing over your life. In Numbers chapter 6, verses 24 through 26, it says this. It says, Moses praying a prayer over the nation of Israel. I want to pray it over you guys and speak it over your lives. And I pray it blesses you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Dear Heavenly Father, this morning we pray that prayer and we pray for a special encounter with you. We pray a special blessing over these individuals' lives. That you would bless them. That God, your favor would be upon them. And not just them, but their families. And not just their sons or their daughters, but a thousand generations from now. That there would be generational blessing because the individuals in this room made a decision to follow you, and to bless others. Be with us. And thank you for your blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand as we sing?